Mo money, mo wins. Michael Harris has a breakout game and another comeback win over the New York Mets. Let's talk about it. You are locked on Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you check out my written work over at bravestoday.com, where just yesterday I wrote an article about Michael Harris needing to break out soon. And, well, he responded. So go ahead and check that out over at bravestoday.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore braves, where you can send in any comments, questions, or feedback for the podcast. Tomorrow we'll have our mailbag episodes. We'll be thinking about some questions there and looking out for a tweet from the lockdown underscore braves Twitter account. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You're watching there, hit that thumbs up button as well to help support the show. Thanks so much to all of you who support Lockdown Braves, making us your first listen of each and every day. Thanks so much to all my everydayers out there. If you put the comment down on the YouTube show, I'll make sure to shout you out in one of our episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about yesterday's big comeback win over the New York Mets, Michael Harris breaks out of his big slump in a big way for another comeback victory. So we'll break all of that down. Charlie Morton start, does some great defensive plays. The offense as well, again, continues to hit it. And then we'll talk about the Pete Alonso situation again, which had an unfortunate turn in the situation on Wednesday night. So all that to get into, then we'll have our Through the League segment where you got to watch out for those fish. They're biting right now. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well and then set you up for Thursday night's game between Verlander and Strider. That should be a lot of fun. But let's start with Wednesday's game, a 7 to 5 comeback win for the Atlanta Braves over the New York Mets. They go ahead and clinch this series and they're looking to sweep on Thursday night like I said with Spencer Strider on the mound. That's now four straight wins and three straight comeback wins. For the Atlanta Braves, they were down 4-1 to one in both of these games against the Mets in the middle innings and were able to come back. And it just, you have that feeling again with this team right now. And it's only, you know, a four-game stretch here, but you, you're starting to get that feeling again, particularly with the offense, that you're just not out of a game right now. And you just feel like this team is going to come back. And it's the old Chip Carey line that I know a lot of people got tired of hearing, but they don't always win, but they always give you a finish. And that's what it feels like right now with this Braves team is they may get down early, but they are never out of the fight. And that's what we've been seeing here lately. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I'll tell you what's a lot of fun to watch. And that is Michael Harris the second look I, I mentioned it i wrote about an, an article on him for on bravestoday.com yesterday talking about the fact that he was ranked 270th out of 274 players in ops that is not good and i i don't care how great he is for you defensively if that were to keep up for another couple of weeks even i i think you got to start making a decision if you need to send him down and let him continue to work on things in AAA. I, I've been very consistent in saying I'm not worried about Michael Harris long-term, but you do wonder if mentally 
it starts to become a challenge for him because he has been barreling up the ball lately, just some really bad batted ball luck. And then you see some at bats that he looks completely lost. So you wonder if just mentally he's struggling because he's not getting the results he thinks he should, but hopefully Wednesday night's game is going to turn that around in another direction. His first three hit game of the season started with a bunt, which I loved. Get one on the board, lay one down. I think more hitters need to do that when they're struggling, especially guys with speed like Ozzy, Michael Harris. If they've been struggling a little bit, just get one on the board. See if you can lay one down and get on base. I, I don't know what Francisco Alvarez was thinking there. It looked like that ball was clearly going to kick foul, but he picked it up and then launched it into right field, and Harris was able to get to second. But I love that right there from Michael Harris. Knows he's been struggling. Knows he hasn't had the batted ball luck lately. So just lay one down. Use your speed. See if you can get on base. And he did that. Now, he did strike out in his second at bat with the bases loaded in a big situation there. Good fastball up and away from Max Scherzer that Michael Harris wasn't able to get to. But then after that, he did come up clutch. In the sixth inning, got a big two-out RBI hustle double to tie the game off Scherzer. I tweeted this out. I love the reaction from Orlando Arcee. He's running home there, and he's starting to celebrate. And then he realizes Michael went for two there, and he better hurry and touch home plate in case Michael gets thrown out. But he doesn't. He gets the hustle double and the big two-out RBI. And then he obviously got the big two-run homer in the eighth inning off Ottavino, who he had seen the night before and laced one to left field for a lineout. This time he doesn't miss it. It's another hanging slider, which is kind of <clears throat> becoming a theme of this series so far, even Scherzer left a couple up that got hit hard as well. But Michael Harris doesn't miss this one, absolutely crushes it out to center field for the go-ahead home run. You know this has to feel huge for Michael Harris, who has stung some balls lately. You know, as I said on yesterday's podcast, looked completely lost in every at-bat up until that last swing. And even in that last at-bat, the first two pitches that he, I believe, either took or swung at just didn't look comfortable but then that last swing, he laced one to left field, and he carried that into Wednesday's game, had some good swings. But even before that, I thought in the Arizona series there were signs, even in the Oakland series. Again, over the past week or so, we've seen some signs of him starting to square up the baseball the other way. He just hasn't had the results. So you know that's frustrating him. So this has to feel great for Michael Harris to be able to start contributing offensively. We obviously know what he can do defensively. One thing to point out in the postgame here, he really credited Ozuna for basically encouraging him and letting him know how good he is and that the results will come. Look, I've been very critical of Ozuna in the past for his off-the-field stuff and even his on-the-field performance. But hearing that, and even you know they followed that up in a conversation with Acuna as well, who kind of backed that up, that Ozuna's always you know encouraging the young guys. I don't know what to say. I don't know how this changes my feelings about Ozuna or not because what he's done off the field, I just I can't get behind. But really interesting to hear that Ozuna is somewhat of a leader for these young guys in the clubhouse. And, you know, despite what's happened in the past, you know, it's good to hear that he's at least being encouraging to his teammates. He hasn't really let his performance get down. And he, you know, mentioned to Harris, hey, I went through this, you know, really gone through it for the last two and a half years, but especially went through it in April and was able to turn it around. And he knows Michael Harris can do that too, because no offense to Ozuna, Michael Harris is way more talented and athletic than he is. So I definitely, 
thought that was very interesting. The fact that Harris credited a lot of Ozuna's encouragement for helping him get it going on Wednesday night and having Michael Harris be Michael Harris again, in my opinion, makes this Braves lineup the best in baseball. I know the Rangers are playing out of their mind right now. The Dodgers have a good lineup, but when Michael Harris is going, I think this is the best lineup in all of baseball. So very big for the Braves. It's just one game, but hopefully it continues. Hopefully it gets him going. The defense on Wednesday night was great as well. Michael Harris also had an amazing catch in this game. We've kind of come to expect that, and it's a big reason why he's continued to be in this lineup, even having the 270th worst OPS in all of baseball because of what he brings you defensively. But the defensive play of the game, comes from Ronald Acuna Jr., who doesn't try on defense at all, according to some people, but what an amazing catch that he had that completely changed this game. It's a sack fly, and it scored a run. It tied the game, but it could have been so much worse. That ball was hit 381 feet by Tommy Fan. had an exit velocity of 103.5, a launch angle of 35 degrees, so he did get under it a little bit, but it had an expected batting average of 660, and it would have been out at 13 other parks. And Ronald Acuna Jr., or Air Acuna, jumps up, catches this ball, and prevents it from being a big inning. And what that did in this game is if that ball caroms off the wall, the Mets score at least two runs, probably three, because there's two uh, – well, no, they would have scored two. There was only one out. But they would have scored at least two runs there. Then you don't know how Brian Snicker handles the eighth inning. Perhaps he doesn't go to Nick Anderson. Perhaps he goes to somebody else, and they give up a few more runs, and it really changes that dynamic of that game. So that was just a huge catch from Ron Acuna Jr., who – Again, I know what the defensive analytics say, but I have seen him win far more games this year with his defense than I've seen him lose games with his lack of defense. So what a great catch that was. And then also two double plays on the night were big as well. Switching things to the offensive side, 11 hits against Max Scherzer. That doesn't happen very often to Max Scherzer. Had some soft hits in there. It was funny. I tweeted this out too. The three softest contact swings resulted in hits, but also the seven hardest contact swings all went for hits. And the Braves had 10 hard hit balls off of him. So they were making some very hard contact and they were getting results on that hard contact. And they also got some uh, help on some of the weak contacts as well, especially there in that fourth inning, which was huge to scratch and run across there. Eddie Rosario was the only player who didn't have a hit. So, again, goes back to what we've been talking about, the entire lineup, top to bottom, really contributing. And I love that this offense just kept punching back. You fell down 2-0 early. They scratched a run across in those fourth in, in the fourth inning with all those soft hits that I mentioned. Then you go down 4-1, to one and Sean Murphy comes back and answers with a two-run homer to make it a one-run game. Then you score two uh, in the fifth inning, two in the sixth inning. Um, and you come back and win that game. Mets tied up in the seventh. Braves, Braves take it back in the eighth inning. The offense just keeps coming at you right now. All seven runs came with two outs. Yesterday's podcast, we talked about the struggles with two outs and how that was going to even out eventually. And all seven runs on Wednesday came with two outs. So, again, I think you're going to see an uptick in that as well. The Braves have some better batted ball luck there. Ten strikeouts in the game against Max Scherzer, but seven of them came in the first three innings. And then I thought the Braves hitters made some great adjustments against him, really started making some good contact and putting the ball in play. Charlie Morton, not his best night. 
um, did exactly what you can't do against this Mets lineup. That's walk batters and give up home runs. He walked four. He gave up two home runs. That's a recipe for disaster against this Mets team. He knows that. Everybody knows that. You cannot give this Mets team free passes, and then you cannot allow them to take you deep. And that's exactly what happened there. You got to have your best command when you face this Mets lineup, or they will eat you alive it's the one i wouldn't say the one thing they are a lot of good hitters over there but that's when that mets lineup gets going is when you're giving them free passes and then you're letting them follow that up with two run homers as they've done three times already in this series it was the first time all year that charlie morton didn't make it out of the fifth inning he threw over 100 pitches again it was a battle for him he just could not command his pitches still almost got out of the fifth inning got two outs to start that fifth inning and then a double and a homer ended his night four more two out runs allowed by Charlie Morton, not just by Charlie Morton, but the Braves pitching really been struggling with that lately, but four of the five runs for the Mets on Wednesday all came with two outs. And then just briefly, Charlie Morton did hit Pete Alonzo with a 96.5 mile per hour fastball. Please don't be one of those people who were happy to see it or applauded it. I know some people were telling me they, they were applauding that he got up, heard others say that that was absolutely false. So, Whatever the case may be, don't be one of those people, please. We do not cheer for injuries in this game. I don't like Pete Alonso as a person. I don't like what he did in the first game of this series. I do not want to see him get injured. So please don't be one of those people. It definitely wasn't intentional. You know, it was running in. Alonso's swing was kind of taking him in that path. Definitely not intentional at all there. Thankfully, x-rays were negative. Mets are saying it's just a contusion. Hopefully that's all it is. For Pete Alonso, but really hated to see that. Unfortunate uh, that you know he got hit in that fashion, following up what happened on Tuesday's game. Again, it's not related there at all. I still don't love what Pete Alonso did. There's just no reason to chirp at Bryce Elder there. You hit a home run, celebrate it, celebrate it with your team. That's fine, but do not cheer when somebody gets injured like that. Please don't be one of those people. Next, we're going to take a look through the league around baseball and watch out for those Miami Marlins because they are nipping at the heels of the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about that here next. In the world we live in today, a lot of us working from home, myself included, I love to dress comfortably, but also need to pre be prepared for whatever occasions come my way. And I do. I dress comfortably every day in shorts and a t-shirt. And now I can wear my bird dog shorts because they are comfortable, they fit well, and they are ready for every occasion. Whether I got to take the kids to school, run out to the grocery store, take the kids to a doctor's appointment, whatever it may be, I can take these bird dog shorts anywhere. I can feel good and look good. And that should be what we're all hoping for each and every day. So love these bird dog shirts, shorts. One thing for me is that they also are very cool, which helps. It's starting to heat up here in the, the, the South right now. So having these shorts, they feel cool as well. So that helps a lot with these high temperatures. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB and enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. The Braves will wrap up a three-game series with the Mets on Thursday at 7.20 p.m. Eastern. It's a pitching matchup you won't want to miss as Justin Verlander takes on Spencer Strider. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. 
Also mentioned we'll have our mailbag episode on Friday, so be preparing the questions for that and look out for my tweet from LockedOn underscore Braves later in the day on Thursday so you can submit your questions for to be answered on that podcast. Getting into our Thursday through the league segment, starting out with the NLEs. You got the Braves at the top at 37 and 24. The Marlins are in second place. They only have two fewer wins than the Braves. They do have four more losses, but they are 35 and 28. They're just three games back of the Braves. They're eight and two in their last 10 games, and they've won six in a row. Their schedule is very poor right now, but they're doing what you're supposed to do, what good teams are supposed to do, and they are winning. Every single one of those games right now, and they are certainly a force to be reckoned with right now in the NL East. The Mets are in third place, 30-32 and 32 overall, seven and a half games back. They've lost five in a row. The Phillies, 29-32, and 32, eight games back, but they've won four in a row. The Nationals, 25-36, and 36, 12 games back. They've lost four in a row. So some real streaks right now throughout the NL East. You got the Braves on a four-game win streak, the Marlins on a four-game win streak, the Phillies on a, a four-game win streak, and then the Mets on a five-game losing streak, and the Nationals on a four-game losing streak. The other divisions right now, you got the Rays up six and a half games on the Orioles in the AL East, having won five in a row. They have 45 wins already on the season due to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Twins are up two and a half games on the Guardians now in the AL Central, three and a half up on the Tigers, and just four on the White Sox. So that division suddenly becoming really competitive at the top. Rangers are up four and a half games on the Astros. Rangers have 40 wins and are seven and three in their last 10 with a plus 154 run differential, which is the best in baseball. The Braves uh, got through it through them at a good time getting that series win because they have been absolutely on a tear since. The Brewers are up a game and a half on the Pirates in the NL Central. The Cardinals have slid back. They're three and seven in their last 10 and find themselves eight and a half games back. What's crazy is they are the only NL Central team with a positive run differential. It is just plus one, but uh, that's a real oddity there. Curious to see if the Cardinals become sellers at the deadline. That may be a team to watch out for there. Diamondbacks are on top of the NL West, two games over the Dodgers, who have lost four in a row. Power rankings, these coming from the Athletic on June 5th. They have the Rays first, the Rangers second, the Braves third. Braves have been in that two, three, four range pretty much all year. Astros fourth, Orioles fifth, Dodgers sixth, Yankee, Yankees seventh, Blue Jays eighth, Diamondbacks ninth, and Twins tenth. I'd probably have the Diamondbacks up a little bit, especially after we just saw them. Really impressive team there. I'd probably have them a little bit higher, uh, definitely above the Dodgers, who they're ahead of in the division right now. Um. League leaders. So we haven't really done league leaders in a while. So I'm going to go through some of the more common stats here. OPS leaders, Aaron Judge, 1078 OPS leads all hitters. He's the only player right now with an OPS over 1,000. Yandy Diaz at 976. Jordan Alvarez, 968. Freddie Freeman at 960. And Ron Acuna Jr. at 959. Sean Murphy ranks 8th at 951. And Matt Olson, 22nd at 869. I tweeted this out the other day. It's going to be very interesting with the month that Freddie Freeman just came off of and obviously what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing, if those two are going to be battling it out for the NL MVP, uh, that becomes quite the interesting storyline down the stretch. Home run leaders, Pete Alonzo, again, he's absolutely been crushing home runs this year, 22 of them. Aaron Judge, 19. Max Muncie, 18. Jordan Alvarez, Matt Olson, and Jorge Soler all have 17. Now, your batting average leaders, this has become a big storyline as well. Luisa Rise hitting 403. We haven't really seen somebody flirt with 400 like this since Chipper Jones did it 
back in the day. I believe it was the 2008 season. That was just a fun storyline, and he took it into July. We'll see if a rise can as well. I feel like probably a little bit too early to be talking about somebody hitting 400. You really got to wait till you get to July, I think, to really consider it, but obviously he's a great hitter. But I just remember that year for Chipper Jones, and he was chasing 400, and I was locked in every night trying to see if he could do it because it's not something that we've seen in a really long time. So we'll see if Arise can keep it up. Bo Bichette, the next highest batting average is 331. That's where Acuna is as well. Then Freddie Freeman, 328. And uh, Masataka Yoshida, 318. Now on the pitching side, ERA, ERA leaders, um, Bryce Elder's fallen off the top. He's actually fallen down to sixth at 2.26. At the top is Shane McClanahan at 2.02. And then Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers, 2.13. Sonny Gray, 2.15. Framber Valdez, 2.16. And Nathan Uvalde, 2.24. Now your whip leaders. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't sure who Tyler Wells pitched for, but he pitches for the Orioles, and he's really good at 0.85 whip as the Orioles' really good team over there. And got some studs coming up. Nathan Avaldi, 0.93 whip. Joe Ryan, 0.95. Logan Gilbert, 0.96. Zach Eflin of the Tampa Bay Rays, 0.96. He's 8-1 and one this year with a 2.97 ERA. Tampa Bay Rays, man, they just take your, your third, fourth, fifth starters and they turn them into absolute studs over there. Spencer Strider ranks 11th with a whip of 1.00. And then strikeout leaders, Kevin Gosman. He's now tied Spencer Strider. They're both sitting at 113, so hopefully Strider will pass him on Friday or Thursday night. Otani is third at 96. Mitch Keller of the Pirates, who's had a breakout season, he's at 94. And then Pablo Lopez at 92. Doesn't really strike me as a strikeout pitcher, but he is fifth on this list at 92. News from the past week around the league. Games call in the Northeast on Wednesday because of the air quality, and you've seen some of those pitchers there. It looked kind of eerie, uh, so that was interesting there. Hopefully that clears up. Ellie De La Cruz made his debut with the Reds and hit a bomb in his second game that almost cleared the bleachers in right field. The Reds have walked off the Dodgers in both of his first two games, so a lot of excitement over there for the Reds. They got some really good young players that are starting to get called up, so it's kind of a fun team to watch right now unfortunate new injury news jacob de second tommy john surgery gonna be out for the rest of the year hopefully there's still a career left for jacob de you really hate to to see that again we talked about with alonzo i don't want to see anybody get injured whether i like them or don't you just don't like to see injuries in baseball especially to some of your top players and just really hate it for jacob de Aaron Judge as well. He's on the IL with the injury to his uh, right big toe as he ran into a fence. And then Alec Manoa, option to the Florida Co Complex League. You talked about the struggles for Michael Soroka and him being sent down to work on things. Alec Manoa was in the All-Star game last year, and they optioned him down to the Florida Complex League to try and figure it out. Uh, some other news, Albert Pujols named a special assistant to Rob Manfred. Hopefully he's going to help in some sort of international draft, which I think – needs to happen because the international system right now is just so crooked and broken and has been for a long time, even before John Capolella got uh, his suspension and banned from baseball, which has now been reinstated. But hopefully he helps in that department. And then some interesting news, Kirk Herbstreet took offense to an article about the Reds and really got, you know, a lot of national headlines because of who Kirk Herbstreet is. And 
honestly, I think Kurt Herbstreit was a little off on this one, but I love to see the passion out of a fan, somebody who covers another sport. I just think that's good to draw attention to the game. I think Kurt Herbstreit was completely off base with what he was saying, but either way, it drew a lot of eyes to baseball and to the Reds and what they got going on over there. So that was an interesting story this past week as well. All right, that is your Through the League Thursday segment here. Next, we'll set you up for Spencer Strider versus Justin Verlander. On Thursday night, the Braves will be looking for a sweep against the New York Mets, and they'll be sending their ace, Spencer Strider, to the mound, going up against Cy Young winner Justin Verlander. This is going to be a really Fun matchup. Verlander didn't start the season until May the 4th because of injury, and it's really been up and down for him. It's two earned runs, one earned run, six earned runs, one earned run, six earned runs, one earned run. Hopefully we catch him on one of those bad nights where he gives up six earned runs. He hasn't faced the Braves since 2016. I went back and looked at the box score for that game. The Braves won the game one to nothing. Verlander was outdueled by Julio Tehran, uh, which is really Interesting there. Adonis Garcia had a two-hit game. Freddie Freeman drove in Ender Inciarte for the game's only run and a one-to-nothing victory. So I thought that was kind of interesting to go back and look at that. Spencer Strider hasn't had great command at times this year. Walked four batters in his last game. He's walked three or more in seven starts this year. That gives me some concern going up against this Mets lineup. We know how they have frustrated him in the past, taking some close pitches and he struggled with his command this year so that gives me a little hesitation and pause now he hasn't been giving up a lot of hits but he has been giving up some home runs lately five home runs in his last four starts so really need to see him dial in that command obviously keep the ball in the yard but if he's struggling with that command again we're probably going to see a short start here from spencer strider but hopefully that's not the case hopefully he's got that all figured out and he's on his a game thursday night and the braves can get a sweep of the new york mets the Braves wrap up that three-game series at 7.20 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night. Again, it's Verlander versus Strider. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast on the SiriusXM app, SXM app on uh, uh, Search Braves there to find that. And make sure if you hear uh, my ad on that app, which hopefully goes a lot better than the ad I just read, let me know if you hear it. would love to know if you do. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at shortstopball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Locked On Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 